I literally had like kind of a timeline in my head. Like if I do these things this way, life is going to be great, but that didn't happen. So, um, letting go of all that expectation and letting go of, well, if I have a house and the white picket fence and the family, I'm going to be happy. I had all that. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom. And whatever your goals are, together, we're making them a reality. Hey, mamas, thanks for tuning in this week to Mama House Goals. This is your weekly reminder to reimagine mom life and rediscover your multifaceted self. So excited to have you here. Beyond the experts that we share on our guest episodes here, I love bringing in a mom every now and then to just share her heart and share her story and what she's navigating. And I met a woman about a year ago who I heard part of her journey and part of her story. And we stayed slightly connected on Instagram. And then I heard about some new parts of her journey and her story. And I said, Rachel, I need you to come on the podcast if you are willing and able and you want to come and share your story. Rachel Wright is a woman of so much motivation and inspiration in the way that she has overcome challenge after challenge. In the last five years, she has had a concentrated journey of really picking herself up time after time again. It's one thing to pick yourself up and it's another thing for it to hit you various areas of your life and through different seasons. But when you have about five different pickups in five different years, it's a lot. Rachel's going to share a lot of things with us today and your choices and your perspective may not always align with the choices that someone else makes and the choices that they've chosen on their journey. I invite you to listen to Rachel's journey today and maybe consider a different perspective, but I'm going to name a couple things and you get to decide on your own if there's maybe a, a different episode that's better for you to listen to. There are no right way to navigate life. No one knows how we should approach life if we haven't navigated the exact same things. So I really love the way that Rachel has chosen to pick herself up, the choices that she's made and overcome. And I want you to listen to her story and share. But if you have any sensitivities to home fires and picking yourself up there, to pregnancy termination, child loss, to infidelity, to divorce and refinding yourself as a single mom. Those are some of the conversations that we have today, along with the sensitivities of Rachel's life with her medically complicated brother growing up. Those are some of the conversations we're going to have here today. And if any of those don't align with something that you want to listen to today, I invite you to pick a different episode. But Rachel has such a story of inspiration, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. So here we go. Rachel, I am so honored and excited to have you here today and talking through your journey and your story and just some real life stuff that people don't always talk about. And you've navigated a lot. People go through a lot of things, but you've had your fair share, especially during a very concentrated time. And so I really just want to walk through your story today, hear your heart, hear where you're at now and help our listeners see a little bit of themselves in your journey and story or maybe someone that they know has navigated something similarly and how they can support them. So let's kick off with really the first kind of speed bump or like train wreck, whichever one you want to think of it as, and talk about really what happened in 2017, talking about losing your home in the Tubbs fire. What happened? How did that go down? Were you woken up to the fire? Tell me, like, what happened? Hi. So thank you so much, first of all, Kelsey, for having me on your podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here. And we have connected friends. And I know Hillary kind of brought us together. So I'm just, um, I love that. I love that you reached out to me. And I feel really honored to share my story. So um, yeah, the Tubbs fire. I I feel like my life was actually very smooth um, up until 2017 and the Tubbs fire hit. I know a lot of people can relate to this. You know, it affected all, all of Santa Rosa, even people that didn't lose their homes. But that night was extremely traumatic. We, we were woken up very abruptly and we were basically scrambling to get out of our house and we were just running for our lives. Um, you know, we lost everything. Our pets, our next door neighbors, they passed away. They got trapped in their garage and we didn't get anything out and we were in it. So that was 
it, it was shocking. It's like, you know, you, you see the news every day or whatever you see movies and you're like, okay, this would never, this would never happen to me. And when it does, it's like, it really shakes your world. And we were actually on the news after the fires because of, of our neighbors perishing in the fire. So, um, you know, life can just be going smoothly. And then suddenly it's like your whole world is, is shaken. And that's definitely how it felt with the fire. Yeah, it was such a scary time. And, you know, you had your one child at the time, right? So you're running as, you know, a family of three, you were living in a smaller home in your parents' backyard. So it was your childhood home that you also lost while you and your husband at the time and your daughter. Yes. And your daughter were running through that. It's definitely traumatic, definitely scary going through all of that. And unfortunately, though, sometimes really tough things like that bring a community together, right? And so while we never want those things to happen, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what happened in that aftermath of the community coming together. What were some of the positives? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, my family lost, my parents lost their home too, but you know, you're in this state of fight or flight mode. And my, my memory is actually very spotty from that time, that time in my life. But I remember just all these free stores and community coming together and Arielle Kelly, actually, she started, um, this store in Healdsburg and it was literally just this open warehouse where people could go and get diapers and, you know, it was basically like a goodwill, but it was open to the community. So I was going there, I was getting diapers for my two and a half year old daughter. I was getting diapers for my severely disabled brother. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was really incredible. And I, I just have different, you know, little stories. I was actually at a Goodwill and I was looking for shoes to buy so I could walk through the rubble of the fire. And I remember going up to pay and the woman was like, okay, it'll be like $50 for all these tennis shoes. And I just remember breaking down and just like, I really like 50 bucks. Like I literally need these shoes to walk through the ashes and see if there's anything to save. And then they'll be toxic and I'll throw them away. And this woman came up behind me and like threw a hundred dollar bill down was like, I want to buy these shoes for you. And I don't even remember what she looked like, but I just started bawling and just gave her a big hug. And it was gestures like that all, all over that we were feeling. I was feeling every day. And again, I don't remember what a lot of people looked like. I was just so in this trauma response mode, but looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, there were so many people that wanted to help us. And we are so blessed just to live in Sonoma County. Yeah. I think that, you know, something that people say when they go through things is often we show up and we say, how can I help? And, you know, I'm guilty of this too. And when people are in that situation, they can't answer the question. You need to just show up and maybe put down that money for those tennis shoes or really get curious. And what is the way you can just show up? And so let's, you know, we don't need to sit in the moment of when you were escaping, but what are some of the first things that you did or that you now know that you could give to someone if they're ever in a situation like that to say like, maybe here's one thing that I would prepare in your home now, should this ever happen to you? And two, if this happens to you, here's the first step that I I would maybe take knowing now what I know. For me and so many people I've talked to, I I really think it boils down to two things. It's being prepared by being properly insured, (laughs) which we don't at all. So, um, and keepsakes, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I experienced. I went, I went through a grief counseling group with other people that had lost their home. It's the same thing. It's, you know, obviously material things that financially add up, but it's the keepsakes that you, you can't get back. You know, yeah. it's, it's, um, you know, maybe just having everything that's of that value stored in one spot and you know where it is. So you're not struggling yeah. going up in the attic, trying to pull down books that are important. Um, and th- those are the things I lost were the, uh, the photos that weren't on iCloud and my, my daughter's, um, you know, scrapbook, a baby scrapbook that I was working on and I was journaling in. And those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that cap those time capsule memory things, you know, the night of the fire, I was, 
I didn't even know what was going on. I thought it was the apocalypse. I grabbed my daughter's stroller and just stupid things that, that are totally replaceable. So I do value items differently. I don't care as much as I used to about items. Yeah. So my perspective is different as well. Whereas before I'm like, oh, you know, this chair is really valuable. And now I'm like, I don't really use it. I can get rid of it. So maybe that's a good thing. Um, I just don't care as much, but I think that answers your question. Yeah. And, you know, we're in Northern California, so this has been become a conversation that a lot of us have here to prepare and to think about this more, but it can happen to anyone. You know, I have a family friend that lost their home in Virginia. I have, you know, people that I know that have navigated these things. And so this really applies to everyone, but it's especially important if you're in Northern California area. After the fire, you received some news that brought you a new hope, a new light, something that gave you a different focus. Let's talk a little bit about that shift of mindset and really what transpired during that time for you. Thank you. So yeah, after the fire, it was just like chaos. Where are we going to live? You know, um, all of those emotions. And basically about two weeks after the fire, I found out, you know, I, I was sick. I thought it was just stress come to find I'm pregnant, go to the doctor. You know, we just lost our home. This is crazy. We don't even know where we're going to live long-term. And he says, well, it could be crazier. You could be having multiples. So, you know, does the ultrasound. And of course he sees two, which is like totally mind blowing. You're pregnant with twins. So I was, you know, we were extremely excited. I looked at it like, you know, we had just lost our home. This is like our double rainbow after the storm. So I was just very grateful and very excited. And I felt like we lost our, our homes, our past, and these twins are our future. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was a very exciting time, even though it was, we were still reeling obviously from the fire. Yeah. So through that time, where were you living during the time that you found out? Because this is only two weeks later, right? So where did you guys go after the fire to find a home? And where were you living when you received this news? So we moved around a little bit. We were in a hotel for a while. Um, Again, it's so interesting because a lot of it is a blur. A really wonderful couple, they had their second home in Forestville. And they found our story on Facebook because you know, we all lost our homes. My parents, um, my severely disabled brother was in a group home and we had thought that burned down. So we had my brother in a wheelchair, me and my husband and our two and a half year old daughter and my parents and Mm -hmm. something was posted and this couple reached out and they were like, you know, we have an extra home in Forestville. You can stay as long as you want. And it was like this mansion basically. So we were there for a while after that, there was another, another guy that just gave us really amazing rent. So we were living in his second home in Healdsburg for about three months. Yeah. And I I don't remember actually what order that was. We were living in Healdsburg when I found out I was pregnant with, with twins. Okay. And so as you then navigated, okay, this is going to be our, you know, next steps, we're going to have this new journey, we're going to be bringing these twins home, we're going to figure out our living dynamic. Then throughout your ultrasounds, you received some other news that you were having some complications with your pregnancy. Let's talk about where you were at in your pregnancy when that happened and kind of what transpired from there. Right. So, um, oh, sorry. There's one other thing I want to mention is before, it was actually right after I found out that I was pregnant with twins, we had lost one of our vehicles in the fire. So I had heard of uh, GNC Auto Body, the Crozat Family Foundation. So I actually applied for a vehicle because suddenly we were going to be a family of five people. And mm-hmm. we actually were donated a minivan from that. Wow. So it was this whole thing where we were surprised. We went to our second interview and it was KZST Live at Montgomery Village. And we showed up and we they pulled us up on stage and they put, put us on the radio and you know, told, told our story about the fire and being pregnant with twins and like, congratulations, your family's being donated a minivan. And it was just one of those things where it's like, no, like this isn't happening. Yeah. So it's like, you're knocked down, you're knocked down. And then you have this, and then you're like, I don't know. I never, I don't know who donated the van. I don't know the story behind it, but it was just walking into the parking lot with this minivan with a bow on it. 
here, sign this paper. It's yours. It was just a really amazing, powerful thing. So I just wanted to point that out as well, because that was something in the community. We've just been so blessed. Um, and I still drive that van and that van is just so sentimental to me because of, of that story. Yeah. Because every, like you said, you, you we're only, you know, getting started with your story really. And you have, you know, multiple times where you get knocked down, you right. get knocked down, you get knocked down, but each time there's been something that's lifted you up each time someone has reached out a hand and helped along the way. Thank goodness, because that's how you've been able to get through each of these things. And so, you know, having the fire, then being, you know, given some of these opportunities, whether it's with clothes and shoes and homes, to then finding out you're pregnant and, you know, still figuring out what that is going to look like, getting the minivan, then being knocked down again. Let's talk about that knockdown. Let's see. The fire was uh, October 2017. It was January 6th. It's funny because there's little little snippets that I remember specific dates, but January 6th, I was a few months pregnant at that point. I went to find out the gender and that was when they told us, you know, you're having identical boys and we were overjoyed and the, they just said, we see problems and they couldn't tell us specifically mm-hmm. what they were. So again, it was like, you're overjoyed and then, uh-oh, something's wrong. Don't Google it because it's like going to be worst case scenario. So we, we played this waiting game and in and out of ultrasounds for the following two months. I didn't want to talk to anybody because I didn't want to have to try to answer things that I had no answers to. So I I really isolated myself during that time. And then you're going through the, should I name them? Is this going to work out? Do, is this real? You just, you're stuck. We were stuck for about Mm. two months, started doing trips back and forth to UCSF. And um, throughout those two months, we had like little glimmers of hope, like that things were going to work out. And then, well, maybe they won't, won't work out. So everything came to a head when we went to UCSF, performed a full four hour ultrasound. That day I finally got answers. So we were pulled into a room. We were told, you know, this is worst case scenario. If you continue your pregnancy, one twin is going to suffer. Um, If he doesn't die after childbirth, he's going to have long-term complications and possibly be on life support. You know, we were told you might be able to save the other twin, come back tomorrow. So we go back the next day and then they tell us, well, you really can't save both because they're twins and they're sharing, you know, life and you have to keep both or lose both. And you have to decide right now. I was 22, almost 22 weeks pregnant at that time. And it was like, if you don't decide right now, it won't be legal in the state of, of California where you're going to have to fly to Texas and pay out of pocket, you know, because it's like an abortion, right? So do you want to go in the hallway and decide and come back and tell us what you want to do? Like there was no like really thought process at that point. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, it could be okay. Oh, we could save the other one. And then it was like, this is how it is. Take it or leave it, right? For me, it was a pretty immediate like, we can't follow through with this. And my husband and I were on the same page about it because it's about quality of life. And I don't want to bring my personal opinion. I don't want to bring children into the world that are life's hard enough that are going to suffer. And my, my childhood, I grew up with that. I grew up with a a severely disabled brother that was in hospitals his whole life and suffering and pain and in a wheelchair and walkers and body braces my entire childhood was like so hyper focused on my brother and worried about him and that was going to be my life with my daughter if if i had these boys it's not fair to her it's not fair to them so that helped me with my decision just go you know what this is two babies this is too much um knowing that it is worst case scenario helped me make that decision and i'll mm-hmm. i will never regret that but I'm very grateful that I got to make that decision because a lot of people don't, you know, my mom mm-hmm. did to make that decision. She didn't know my brother had those issues until after he was born. So mm-hmm. I look back and I'm very grateful, but I did go through a very deep grief period of I killed them, you know? So we made that decision and it was literally like, okay, like let's schedule this three days later on Valentine's day was the day that, I went back, 
I got knocked out. They were taken out of me and I woke up and they were gone. And, um, to be pregnant and feeling these babies inside of you and full of life and know that they're essentially, you know, they're going to die. And then you wake up and they're gone. You, you never saw them. You never, I didn't want to see them. That was my choice. And to go home from the hospital with no babies. And my milk came in like I had given birth and they weren't there. So, um, I remember reaching out on a Facebook group and babies with CDH, which is what my baby had. One of my twins had, which was a mm. hernia, so congenital diaphragmatic hernia. But I remember a mom saying, well, you shouldn't be on this group because these are for this group is for babies that are living and you chose to end your pregnancy. And, and I felt a lot of shame for a long time about that. And I'm really glad to be here because I think with some of the things I've gone through, and I know there's more to talk about, but I did feel a lot of shame for making that decision. And I know it's really common and a lot of people don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone makes the right decision for their family and there's no one way. And, and it is complicated. And I, I don't have to explain that to people. And I felt like I had, to, I felt like I had to give a reason. And it's like, you know what, this is my life and my decision. And, and I'm happy with that now, not happy with it, but I'm, I'm content with with those choices that we made and we made them as a family and as a couple, I went on to have a beautiful, healthy daughter after that. That's, that's mm -hmm. thriving. And I look at it and I'm like seeing the silver lining in things where in the moment you don't, I mean, you, you're just like, why did this happen to me? Yeah. It makes you question everything. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And like you said, you know, no one can, really know what they would do in a situation until they're in, in that situation. And not everyone is going to have the same answer because not everyone has the same life and not everyone is going to make the same choices. But you have to be at peace with the decisions that you make in your life, regardless of what they are. And, you know, looking at these other experiences that have impacted your choices from your brother. Let's talk a little bit about Scotty and let's talk about your place in his life throughout really your whole life, your childhood and really just what happened before your second daughter was born with Scotty too? Yeah. So my brother just, he was born uh, very mentally and physically disabled his, his whole life. Um, you know, he was confined to a wheelchair when he was five years old and he never walked again after that. He had very severe scoliosis and just so many countless surgeries. And he just, he suffered a lot. He was always in pain. He was always, the challenge was he couldn't express what was wrong because of his mental mm -hmm. disabilities. And he was a kid. And so he would cry in pain and you're constantly like on high alert, worried, you know, is he going to be okay? Is he going to die? And I always felt that way my whole childhood. And I look back now at why I am the way I am, you know, why, why all, you know, we're all affected by our childhood. That makes us who we are. And I think I'm a very empathetic person because of my brother, because I was always put kind of putting his needs before my own, mm -hmm. you know, despite all of his complications, he, he really inspired me. He was the happiest person I knew. So mm -hmm. he just the little things in life, you know, doing a puzzle with him made him so mm -hmm. happy. And so it, it was so inspiring because I feel like we get caught up in daily life and we get frustrated and, and that's totally normal. But like my brother, it's like, he's crippled in his body. He can't do anything hardly, you know, he's just laying there on the floor and you just sit with him and you smile with him. And he just lit up my world because he was so, um, he was so positive. Mm -hmm. So it, it was just really inspiring. And after, after he passed away, there were like 300 plus people at his service and people mm -hmm. speaking about how, how inspiring Scotty was because he was so, he couldn't explain it, but he was just such a positive little person for, you know, yeah. this opposition of, of so much suffering. So it's, it helps me move forward with everything. Just going, you know what? I'm frustrated. I can go for a hike. My brother couldn't even walk. So it helps mm -hmm. me now appreciate the little things. Yeah. And how great to leave that story behind and you have him to build so much of your journey. At this point, 
2017, we're moving forward. You've navigated fire. You've navigated the loss of your twins. You've navigated all the things that you've been going through, the loss of your brother, and your second daughter is born. Another one of those uplifting lighting moments, right? Another one of those kind of sunshine shining through all these hard things that are happening. So when was your daughter born? And tell me, like, what was life like in that moment? So my second daughter was born um, after my brother passed away. And she, it was, the, it, again, it was a little crazy. Um, we had just bought a house. So we, that was like this, this new kind of like, let's start a, our life again. And then, you know, had our second daughter in that house. And that was actually during the peak of the pandemic of 2020 when I had her. So the whole world knows that was, that was chaotic. Um, yeah. I was putting my five-year-old daughter through, she was in kindergarten and she was on zoom every day and she was home, had a newborn, but I mean, I, I just wasn't taking life for granted at that point. It was like, you know, we're going to be okay. I have my family together. I was so focused on everything's going to be okay. My kids are healthy mm-hmm. and we have this house and we're so lucky. So I really do value that time that I had with my kids during the pandemic, even though it was really hard. You know, yeah. my husband was off working and I, I was at home, but I mean, I'm sure everybody can relate to this. It was, yeah. it was crazy, right? Yeah. I had that time with my kids and I'll never, I'll never get that back. So I really value that. Yeah. And so what month was your second daughter born? She was born July of 2020. So I was okay. six months pregnant when the pandemic hit. And of course yep. I was like the crazy person, like getting groceries delivered, sanitizing watermelons before I put them <laughs> in the fridge. Well, there was a lot of information going around. It was hard to know what to do. I went through every season. I feel like I gave birth to my second in February of 2021. So I was only about six months behind you. And same, you know, you're trying to figure out what's the right decision? What is going on? And you're right. hearing probably all sorts of things and everyone chooses to process that differently. But there was a lot going on and a lot of conversation and some good isolation in the sense of, like you said, having that time with your kids and really being focused on family and being together. And that period can be so special. Mm -hmm. Now, so just a little under a year later from the time that your daughter was born, let's talk about what happened then. My little one was, it was a week before her first birthday and my other one was turning five. So they're exactly five years apart. Their birthday was coming up five days later and it was a father's day. My husband, um, he was out, (laughs) he came, he came home on father's day morning and, uh, he basically was like, we need to talk. So we, we go outside and talk and he's just like, I don't love you. I don't want to be with you. And I'm done. And more words were said, but, um, it was extremely blindsiding. I was, I would say that really, really rocked my world more so than everything else, because I felt like we had gone through all these traumas together and at least we had each other, or at least in my mind, I I felt like we were indestructible because we, we could do, we can do anything now. We lost our babies. Like so I, I might've had the blinders on a little bit because I just was so focused on keeping the family together mm-hmm. during the pandemic. It brought to light some, you know, issues between our relationship and, you know, we were trying counseling. I, I was really trying everything. I don't have divorce in my family. I never saw anything, but outside of that, I just, I wanted to have my babies and have my family and, you know, we had the house, we had all these things. So I, I didn't see life outside of that. He really did blindside me. I was, I was very, I was very shocked. I thought this is the one person that my best friend that I trust. And I, I completely lost that. And just the nature of the way it happened was very harsh. I did find out after that, that I don't want to say too much, but, um, that basically he was living a double life for me that brought so much anger And I felt like I didn't have closure and I had to go through the whole process of (laughs) divorce. And I thought that right away when he left me because the nature of the way it happened, it's like, okay, that slams the door shut for me. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's no going back. We started the divorce process. We sold our house. I didn't want to sell my house. I was like, 
for, for me, it was like, we, have, we just lost our home in a fire, like two years before. Yeah. So for me, it felt like another fire, mm-hmm. another loss, like just losing our house. So I was really holding on to the house, got an attorney. She's like, you need to let go of the house. You can't afford it. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot during that time. And um, it was also scary because it was so much unknown. And I was... I was very dependent on my husband financially at that time. Mm -hmm. I was working before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, I was a stay-at-home mom. So my identity was being a stay-at-home mom. I I had a baby. I was still nursing my baby. So I was just like house cleaning. Like I was in this mode. So when I had to sell my house, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm not only going to be alone, but I have to support myself. I have to figure this out like right now. And, mm-hmm. um, I think because of the nature of the way things happened, it really propelled me to go, you know what? Life is short. I love art. Art is my passion in my life. And, um, I've always done commissioned artwork and had other jobs. So mm-hmm. after he left me, I actually went to lunch with a friend. We went to college together and she was like, I was like, what am I going to do? I have to, I, I need to figure this out like right now. And she's like, you know, Rachel, I always thought you could be a tattoo artist. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah. Like I had this like, like a pivotal moment of like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Like I'm going to do that. Like, why not? Like life is short. Go for it. Like go for, you know, I don't know if your dreams or whatever you call it, but I think the thought of it always kind of intimidated me. But after mm-hmm. all of, all of this shit had happened, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go for it. And it wasn't to prove, it wasn't to prove to anybody. It was like, I need to do something for myself now. This, this is yeah. not me and like my survival mode, you know? Yeah. So it was literally like a week, a week later, I started working at a tattoo shop a week after my husband left me and, you know, he wasn't very support. You know, I told him I was going to do this and he kind of laughed about it. Like, yeah, right. And there was a lot of gaslighting going on that made me question that I wasn't good enough. I felt that way for a long time, to be honest with you. I had, I doubted myself a lot. I lost a lot of self-esteem, but I also look at it like we got together so young. I was, we were both 20 years old. I hadn't really developed my identity when we got together. And, um, I just kind of took a back seat in our relationship. So when we separated, it was like, who am I? Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I think when you have kids and you have an infant, you put so much into other people and into these children and into your relationship that it's like, you're not doing the self-care and the self, the the things that I was lacking for a long time. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can sit here and say, he did this, he did that, but I did that. Like I, to my friends and just, it's easy to point fingers when you're going through a divorce, but I look Mm -hmm. back now and I'm like, maybe this is what I did. Um, or this is what I lacked, you know, and I, I didn't have a good sense of self. I really did not So it kind of propelled me and forced me to figure it out. I think it's so great because, you know, not only is it really important for you to really go through this process of your self identity to really go through and say, wow, you know, I have been knocked down time after time in a short period of time, like not just throughout your whole life, like through a five year span of just down, 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 you know, sometimes people have five-year goals. It's one big goal that they're accomplishing. You're overcoming thing after thing after thing, but ending it at this point, bringing it up to this point of really being like, wow, all those things happened. And what I've heard you kind of lead to is somehow, some way it all brought me to this new rebecoming of myself Mm -hmm. and being a mom for my two daughters that not only shows up and says, you can do anything that you want. I love you. You're a strong woman, all of these things. But to say now mommy's doing it too. And maybe mommy didn't always know what her full worth was. And maybe she didn't always know what her self love was. And maybe that was partially because of environments and conversations, maybe, but also 
you now have been given the self-power, the springboard, the support, the community, knowing you've overcome all of this. Well, yeah, you had that version that you were like, we did this together. At the end of the day, you did it. You overcame each of those things. And now you're showcasing what you're doing next and what you can do. So let's talk a little bit about the chapter that you're in now. You now have come into this new you know, identity of doing tattoos, going after your dreams, really showcasing your girls, what you can do in your power. Let's talk about what you're excited about, what you've like blown your mind with, you've been able to do in this period of time that you like look back and you're like, man, I actually have done it. Like I did it. I'm so proud of myself. So let's talk about what you're excited about. Let's talk about what you have done and maybe some things that you're still in it with too, because let's be real. <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> yeah. It's grief. It's all like the waves of the ocean, like good days and bad days. Yeah. Time really does help. Time really does help. But you know, I, I really do notice like reflecting back, like I, I used to have a lot more anxiety and just as a person, I was always like, this is what I should be doing. Like, these are the norms of society. So like, you know, I graduate high school and it's like, okay, I want to we got together. It's like, okay, let's go to college first. Let's travel. Let's get married and then have kids. Like I, I literally had like kind of a timeline in my head. Like if I do these things this way, life is going to be great. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but that didn't happen. So, um, letting go of all that expectation and letting go of, well, if I have a house and the white picket fence and the family, I'm going to be happy. I had all that. And I I thought I was happy, but I realized now on the other side that I wasn't happy, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was so hyper-focused on like, if I have these, these things and there's so much pressure in our society, like to have all those things and have the family and have, and when that falls apart, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? So I felt, I did feel a lot of shame for a long time about that, like downsizing, getting rid of everything. And, you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? A, A failed marriage. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to stay in it because you're, you don't see anything outside of it and you have a role and you you've lost your identity and you're not, you know, you have insecurities. Like it's really easy to, to fall into that. And I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. And it's really weird. I never thought I would say that, but the nature of the way it happens, it propelled me to go, you know what? Screw this. Life is short. Um, there's more for me. And I, there's so much more that I deserve. Um, yeah. So I started a journey of just seeking that. And I'm not going to say it's easy. It was, it's been really hard and it's only been, been a year and a half. But for me, given the nature of the way things happen, it was for me working on letting go of anger, letting go of that societal, like saying that I should, I should do this in this way and everything's going to line up. Well, that's, that's not reality. And you can have a a plan for your life. Like, I feel like all of us have like a plan. I don't have a plan anymore. And I'm happier. I don't have like an expectation anymore. I used to think I was never present before. I was like, you know, looking forward to the next vacation or focusing too much on the past. And now it's like, this is where I am in the moment and I'm okay with that. If there's a vacation in the future, I'll think about it when it comes. And that's really, really helped me is learning how to be present. Um, you know, yoga, meditation. I, I sit now and I do guided meditations. It brings me back into my body. It helps me relieve stress. And I'm just a lot happier of, of a person. And I don't have, I've let go of that expectation for my life and that timeline. And people now are like, okay, what do you, what do you see for your future? Like, are you going to be married, have a house? I'm like, I know I don't want any more kids. I'm very fulfilled with my two daughters. Maybe I'll have a house. Maybe I'll get married. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, um, I have no expectation. And I think letting go of that just makes me a happier person. Yeah. And I think, you know, from my time knowing you, is the goal to go out and get married again? Like, I don't think either of us would advocate for that, like, journey of searching. But the first time we met was at a vision board party. And I know that you do have the vision of 
how you want to feel. You have the vision of the type of mom you want to be. You have the vision of how your home feels, how the self-worth that you've already been able to pick back up a little bit and how you're going to continue to build on that and go forward. And so it may not look like, well, my tattoo goals are exactly this. My home goals are exactly this. My relationship goals are exactly this, but I know I want to feel this way. And I know I don't want to feel this way. So let's talk a little bit about maybe the kind of, um, my son's going bowling today and it reminds me of like the bumpers, right? What are the bumpers that you're putting up in your life that when you like as a little bowling ball go and hit that, you go, nope, not going there (laughs) to be able to come back and like have these little bumpers, whether it's with your own self-worth, maybe these stories that kind of come up that you like hit a bumper with and you go, nope, pushing that away. What are some of the things that you vision for yourself and how you show up for yourself in this next chapter? You know, that, that's the other thing about divorce is like, you, you feel like, like guilty for your kids, like, oh, you're doing this to your kids and you don't want to break up a family and all of that. But I'm a more present mom now than I was before. So I have my kids half the time when I don't have them, I'm really focusing on myself, which is finding a balance of spending time with friends and family and having, I have deeper relationships now with those people than I had before. And I value Mm -hmm. conversations more. And I just have a totally different perspective on life. So when I do have my kids, I'm a happier person. I'm more like, I'm just, I just feel like a better mom. So it's, it's interesting because even though we are divorced, we have two separate households, it's hard, you know, it sucks. It's not fair, but I just, because I'm happier with myself and who I am and I'm finding my confidence again and what makes me happy and what I enjoy when I'm with my kids, it resonates to them and they're happy. And that's, that's really all that matters. And we're still a family and whatever falls into place in the future does. And people used to say, like, I think things happen for a reason that used to make me angry. I didn't want to hear that. It's like, no, this doesn't happen for a reason. There's no reason for all this, but now I see the silver lining in things and I don't get as, I don't want to say as attached, but it's easier for me to let things go. So, you know, I, I started working at a tattoo shop and that relationship with my, with my boss was also not a healthy relationship for me. It was, it was toxic. And I decided I I needed to get out of that. I wanted to be a Mm -hmm. tattoo artist, but I I need to um, explore something else. So it Mm -hmm. kind of propelled me to go, you know what, this isn't working and move on. And then I started my own, my own business and I never yeah. thought I was, I would do that. I never, I mean, a year and a half ago, I never thought I would be, you know, opening up my own studio space, being a newer tattoo artist, like I'll figure it out. And yeah. it's just kind of pushed me to um, that discomfort that I've been kind of forced into so many times has caused so much growth because I've also been able to sit with it. And I've mm-hmm. had a lot of times over the last year and a half that it's like, this is too hard, um, not wanting to sit with it, maybe being overly social because mm-hmm. I want to go out and not, um, not, not sit in the pain. Reality. And then when I had my kids, I'm like, if, if I'm in this mindset of like, this is too hard, I'm a single mom, I'm literally doing everything in this household by myself, that doesn't help me move forward. So mm-hmm. I realized I was in this mindset of like, oh my God, like, you know, I was kind of like in this victim mentality, like, why did this happen to me? And it, it was keeping me stuck. So Mm. I just, I, I started exercising more, um, hiking, getting out in nature has really helped me. Um, just having deeper connections with friends. I started going to church that has been so therapeutic for me of just letting go of the things I can't control. Yeah. And just being present in the moment and which I've never been able to practice before. I never understood it before. Now I, if I start feeling flustered about situations um, and I'm able to get that time to myself, I I'll sit and kind of get more grounded in my body and then I can refocus and recenter. So I've kind of learned these tools through just therapy, church groups, community, but also finding a balance of being alone, yeah. you know, and, and being able to sit with myself and not just run into a relationship. And I think it's really easy to do that when you're, you're hurt and you want validation. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments that I've, trust me, like I, I'm alone and I want to be loved. And 
it's it's really the whole dating thing is a very interesting <laughs> topic yeah. conversation on its own. But I think I've known, I've heard too, is it's so important and you're doing this work on yourself, right? Because if you don't do that work and you get into another relationship, if you get into another working engagement, if you get to a place like not only do you need to make sure it's solid for you, but you have two daughters that are going to be a part of whatever decision you choose to pursue another relationship. And if you're not working on yourself, and it doesn't mean that there's anything broken or anything you need to fix, but if you're not elevating yourself and strengthening yourself and making sure that you're in a place that you know you're whole as you and that you're full and worthy without anyone else, then if you do get into a relationship, you aren't maybe going to be in the right place personally to be able to show up in maybe a good relationship. Or if you start noticing it's a bad relationship, Mm -hmm. knowing that you should step away and having that just full, you have to be full as yourself, not not full with someone else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's easy to go. Oh, I'm. I you know, like I I need this to feel to feel something and to feel whole, and I need help. It's it's easy to feel that way. I mean, I moved into you know my duplex, and at first, again, it it was my mentality. I would I would stand in the middle of my living room, and my kids were first Christmas they weren't with me, and I had them fifty percent of the time, and I missed them, and suddenly I didn't have my kids all the time, and that was really hard. And yeah. I'm just like time helps, but I would stand there and go, Oh my gosh, like if Coco Melon's not on, what do I watch? Cause everything revolved around my kids. Like now yeah. this is about me. So I do value that time when I don't have them because I am able to refill my cup and focus on myself, which I couldn't do before. But again, it's looking at the things I can't control. I can't control that. I only have, I don't see them every day and it yeah. sucks, but making the most of it is like, well, I refill my cup. And then when I have them, I'm I'm a better mom. Yeah, definitely. Finding that self-identity and who you are outside of motherhood is so important. Well, Rachel, your story is one of such inspiration and motivation, a little bit of heartbreak or a lot of it, depending on how you want to think about it. But you are such a strong human. You've overcome so many things more than the average human should have to. And you as a woman, I know are coming out of this so much stronger, so much more self-identified. So just really getting started, it reminds me of just like the phoenix rising from the ashes of you in literally, right, with the fire and all of that being a part of your journey. And I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast in the future and talk about really where you are at, because you're just now really stepping into this next chapter of like Mm -hmm. having your own business and navigating this. And really up to this point, it's been overcoming and picking it up and getting started. And of course, there's going to be other things that knock you down. That's life. But you know that you can handle it. And you are so, so strong. I'm so like proud of you. I'm so honored to be a part of you sharing your story and you sharing this with our community. If there was one thing, if there's a listener that's just like, maybe hasn't navigated the same things, but they're feeling down, they're feeling hard, they're feeling they've been knocked down. What is the one thing that you want to leave with that listener about getting up today? Just today. What's one thing they can do today? I, j- I just think having the balance is important. Like if, if you're feeling sad, it's okay to feel sad and to feel those feelings and to know that you're not, you're not alone. And if you have a day that you need to be alone and just to process, I think that's important. I think journaling is important and getting all of those thoughts and feelings out on paper. Cause once you do that, all of the rattling in your brain is like quieter. So just different tools like that. Or if you need to talk, talk to a friend, you know, find, find someone that, that you can trust and, you know, having relationships with people that you can trust. So it is a balance of having that time to yourself to, you know, the, the times that I've been alone, that's when I witnessed the most growth is when I'm by myself not with other people. So I'm, I'm built up when I'm with other people, they bring out the best new version of me, but when I'm alone and I'm really sit alone with my thoughts, that's when I'm really processing. And I think that's really healthy, but I I do want to say like, I don't think I would be where I am for me, the silver lining with deciding to be a tattoo artist. It plays so much into all of these traumas that happened me loving art and being an artist prior to that. And then having these traumas, it has a lot to do with tattooing because I love connecting with people. I love sitting in a room with people and they're 
explaining, you know, their, their tattoo and how it resonates because their mom passed away. And it, it's so emotional. And I love that. I love, I love yeah. therapy. I love talking about these, these subjects. So it's really wonderful to talk about how it resonates with people and be able to create that on their body. So it's, it's not just slapping on artwork and like moving on with your day. It's like creating these new connections and like people are letting me into their life in a way in that aspect. Yeah. So it kind of, for me, like this whole situation has kind of just come full circle into like me having this career. I'm so proud of you. Let's talk about your business. How can we support you? How can we follow you? Where can everyone connect and really be friends with you on the internet? Where do you want to send them? I do Instagram. <laughs> if you've heard of that, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so my Instagram is Serene Ink Salon. It's all one word, but that's the name of my, you know, I want it to be a, a different environment from a traditional tattoo shop. You know, it's... yeah like that environment, a, a lot of women that are just more comfortable, um, just the one-on-one. -on -one. So yeah, it's called Serene Ink Salon. And I, I have That's a website, so but my portfolio is there. <laughs> we'll put all of that in the show notes so that you guys can tap over and link there. And again, Rachel is in Santa Rosa. So if you are farther away, Santa Rosa, California, you may need to travel to come get your beautiful artwork done with Rachel. But Rachel, like I said, you're just such an inspiration. Thank you so, so much for being here. I absolutely love just hearing your journey and your story and how cool that you're going to have all these. This is going to be one of many podcasts that you share your story on, I know, for the future. And your daughters are going to be able to listen to just how you've really overcome this and really shown them that they can do anything and overcome anything. And that at the end of the day, you're so worthy and valuable of all of your hopes and dreams and ability to move forward. So thank you so much for being here. As always, please leave a review sharing your biggest takeaway. Tag Rachel and I so we can hear really what of her story resonated with you. Share where this sits with you, how you can support a friend and download the Mama Has Goals app so you can share some love and community and support in there as well. Rachel, before we click off here, we talked about the first thing that you could do to overcome a hard place yourself. What is one thing that someone could do to support someone else going through a hard time? I know it's situational depending on what they have going on, but maybe it's even just like a text message they send today. What's the type of text message that you would have liked to receive during any of those parts of your journey? I can relate. I have many friends that did this for me, so I feel very blessed, but just people that reach out, it's the little things that matter. You know, when you're going through that hard stuff, someone that's a friend that's like, can I bring you a meal? Or you're hanging out, text me when you get home. It's just those little, so, so I know you're safe. It's those little things that add up to, to a real unconditional love in a friendship. And, and I think, you know, the, the people that were there for me, I'm now coming out of my like trauma phase and I'm able to, I'm able to be there for other people now. So it's, it's yeah. those people that were there for me. Now I'm like, I'm suddenly like, oh, my eyes are open. I'm here for you. What, what do you need? So it's nice to be yeah. able to, <laughs> to give that Stay back. back. Yeah. Like, awesome. Well, you guys heard that. Send a text message to a friend, check in with them, bring them a coffee or a meal and just be there. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here, mamas. We'll talk next week. Hey mama, I want to make sure you know about this really epic opportunity we have going on right now for you to win a woman owned product to celebrate Valentine's Day and Women's History Month. From February 13th through the end of March for Women's History Month, we are giving away a woman owned product every single day in our free phone app. All you have to do is go to your app store, type mama has goals, M-O-M-M-A has goals, download the app, Say hello to the community in the main activity feed group, and you are up to win one of our epic giveaway prizes, 46 different opportunities. So tap in, say hello, and see what you win.